Sarah and Mark Anthony are the letter black, and they're here for a visit with The Antidote. Good to have you guys here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. I usually ask a band about their background, but whenever I have a married couple, I want to hear all about the romance. So it's time (laughs) to give your love story. Well, it actually is funny. It kind of intertwines. Um, We met and started writing music together before we started dating, but after spending a couple months together kind of in the studio and writing and stuff, we realized that we actually liked each other. <laughs> so <laughs> started dating and have been on this journey of, you know, we dated and then got married and grew up and had kids and life and everything all with the band. Been, you know, getting signed and having record after record and we kinda just did it hand in hand the whole way. Wow. It was all those love songs that Mark was writing for you. That's what caught your attention. <laughs> yeah, like, yep. yeah, we have we have rocking love songs, I guess. <laughs> I have to tell you that every time I hear the name Mark Anthony, it reminds me of that old Looney Tunes cartoon. You know, the one with the huge dog that's protecting this tiny kitten. Now, don't tell me that's your relationship with Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? We I think... He he definitely is the macho man and the man of the house, for sure. Um, but I don't see myself as a kitten. What do you think? No. <laughs> More like a uh, tiger? <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> definitely feisty. You know, with you two, I really can't imagine how chaotic your lives must be. Obviously, a lot of artists have children and head out on tour, but how do you manage it with three young kids and both of you on the road for such a big part of the year? Yeah, it's interesting. We um, we do manage it well. You know what I mean? Uh, right now, our oldest actually is in school. Right now, we're only doing weekend dates until next year. So um, it's been okay right now, but I mean, next year is going to be pretty crazy because uh, we have like a month and a half tour in the United States and then a like 20 some odd day tour in Europe. Yeah, it's all about juggling. We're very, very good at juggling. So if the kids come with us, we have a nanny to be able to watch them while we're on stage. But even then, they love the show. So they're side stage in a stroller. <laughs> so <laughs> you know, they come along. They love it. Our mm. oldest has been on the road since he was born. So and he wants to be the drummer of the band. Oh, yeah. It's hilarious. <laughs> He's already claiming it. Yep. And you don't charge them extra for that backstage seat? <laughs> yeah, no. They charge us plenty and toys. And, yes. And yeah. <laughs> you know, I got into the music of The Litter Black with your 2010 release hanging on by a thread. It wasn't until we were set to have this talk that I found out that the roots of your band was as a worship duo. And I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Well, when I mentioned before about us starting to write music um, before we were even dating exclusively, we we had just started writing worship music. And we were on the praise team together. That's how we actually met. I sang and he played guitar on the praise team. And so we had started to do our own worship music on the praise team and decided to start writing and recording it in his studio. And that's where we fell in love. Yep. But musically, what you were doing as the worship duo, and now that was a big transition. Yeah. Yeah, we were always, though, pushed the envelope, I should say. Yeah, it was edgier worship, for sure. And then we decided finally... 
about what 2006 2006 to just do rock you know and it wasn't as heavy it's definitely been a progression of each record kind of getting heavier and heavier um but i think that's probably a good thing or else we would have scared everybody if we had just gone from one to the other um yeah but also with each record been able to be more of ourselves and experiment each record has been a part of who we are and what we like but now we're able to kind of just have fun without worrying about as many people's opinions as we before had to. Well, let's talk about some of that music then from the past and talk about the song Hanging On By A Thread. It speaks about a person's flawed past and their hope for renewal. Did that song come from a personal place? I mean, I think we've pretty much all been there at some point. Yeah, I had that line for a long time, just hanging on by a thread. Like I had it just kind of sitting around that I really, really liked. I just didn't know what it was going to be or what was going to come of it. But I just really liked that one phrase, just hanging on by a thread. Because that's kind of how a lot of us feel sometimes. I mean, Christian or or not, sometimes we feel abandoned. Sometimes we feel, you know, when something wrong happens. And sometimes even when nothing is wrong happening. Sometimes it's when good things are going on and you just don't feel like God's even hearing you sometimes. Um, You just might feel alone. So, um, you know, it's kind of just one of those places to where I was in and just I went through it. And I mean, I'm sure Sarah has, too. And I just something I knew a lot of people would probably relate to and, you know, just kind of all came together. The letter black existed before hanging on by a thread, but it was known as breaking the silence. But I mean, the letter black is such a cool name. How did you dream it up? Um, Actually, we were in the studio recording our first record, which was hanging on by a thread. And um, Tooth and Nail got a call from another label that they were going to be getting sued because there was another band that was called Break the Silence. So we had to figure something else up. Everybody's given us names. They were all ridiculous, like Shades of Gay and uh, I can't even remember something. We even looked up Ham Sandwich. Ham Sandwich was taken. (laughs) So we're trying to figure something out. Paige Hamilton, he's the lead guitar player for the band Helmet. Him and our manager are friends. You know, Danny was asking him that our manager's name is Danny. And he said, you know, what should we call the band? What do you think? He goes, who cares? Call the band the letter black. Who cares? And, <laughs> and we called, were like, okay. Yeah, he called us and he said, hey, what do you think about this? Paige told me this. And I was like, it's awesome. I mean, literally me and Sarah heard it. We were like, okay, done. That's it. That's the band name. And, you know, of course, everybody wanted this big drawn out meaning behind it so we made one up but there's no meaning behind it i mean honestly it's it's just a name the songs are where the meanings come from yeah for sure with tooth and nail you did a pair of albums with them but then you announced you were going to go independent but it seemed like almost the last minute you ended up signing with david ellison's emp label group so why drop the independent band idea well, no, we actually are still independent. We're not signed to a label. Oh. Yeah, it's just a distribution deal. So the only thing that they did for us, and I don't want to demean anything that they've done because they're great. I, I love David. I like Tom. And they've really done well for us. But what they did is get our record into stores. So they handled all of the uh, UK, Europe, everything overseas, and then distribution in the United States as well. And then they kind of handled the marketing side, so getting us in like AP Magazine, Revolver Magazine. So they took some of that stuff that we didn't have money for, 
we couldn't pay for that. I mean, my goodness, an ad and revolver is probably $5,000 for a quarter size ad. So they kind of helped with those kind of aspects, but not as an actual true label. A true label would come in, tell us what to do, tell us what to wear, how to sound. They go through all of our music and tell us, you know, if they like it, if they don't like it, if we need to change this guitar part or this vocal line or the, the words. I mean, labels have ultimate control. So it's much nicer to just have a distribution deal with these guys. Yeah, so the best way to explain a distribution deal is a partnership. We pay for the record, they pay for the marketing, and we team up together and really just try to get this product out to everybody and anybody. Sounds like a sweet deal. Yeah, and it was nice because, you know, unlike a record deal, of course, there's no upfront money, but that just means you're betting on yourself and you believe in yourself. So EMP doesn't control any of the creativity, which is good. Yeah, even like the album layout, the look, nothing. That's all us, which was so great this time because I got to do what I felt we really wanted. I mean, me and Sarah just kind of got to just go right ahead and, and do what we wanted. What's interesting is that here you are related to EMP now, but of course you're probably the only Christian artist that's working with them, which offers in a different mindset. How do you consider the letter black? Do you feel you're a ministry band or is there more to it? You know, it's so funny because we get this question a lot. Are you guys a Christian band? A lot of Christian rock bands get that. Everybody from Skillet to Anne Berlin, to Demon Hunter, to, you know, anybody you want to throw into that phrase, disciple. So I guess I don't like that stigmata of somebody calling us a Christian rock band because I don't want somebody who's not a Christian to not give us a chance because we have this label on us of being a Christian band. Now, of course, me and Sarah are very diehard Christians. I mean, I don't even know if that's the right term to use it for, but I mean, I mean, we take our faith very seriously. We are very active not even within our church. Um, I'm kind of one of those people where missions to me is in your backyard. That's how I feel. I feel like get out and do something. Which is actually what we use the band for a lot of times. Um, We're able to do a lot of, not anything big deal like feeding a bunch of homeless people, but we get to meet people where they are, whether it's depression or suicidal thoughts or just they're really lost and lonely. Um, Wherever they are we get to meet them at these shows and we actually get to talk with them and it opens a lot of doors for us to be able to just show them love and if they need to talk about anything like we can tell them from our past experience the things that have helped us get through mainly god you know yeah Yeah, so to answer your question i mean yes we are absolutely christian um of course from the lyrical content people are always going to look at us and label us as a christian band and that's probably never going to change because that's who we are when I write lyrics, when Sarah writes lyrics, I want those words to penetrate people's hearts so that God can break down some walls and get in and help people wherever they are. But I mean, we are. Yeah, we're entertainment. Yeah, as we're well. entertainment. Yeah, and not yeah. all of our songs talk about God. Some are just fun songs because you know what? That's life. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and some are just about bad situations. Like last day that I cared, talking about an abusive relationship. And I do not believe that that brings dishonor to God. So, um, you know, it's just one of those things. We kind of tear on both sides. You know what I mean? This is where you have that funny balance because music is an artistic expression. But the flip side is that it's also a business and it's your livelihood. How do you balance the two? Oh, man. You know, um, 
I will say previous records, we didn't balance them because we really wrote for radio. And it was mainly, you know, the label was really pushing for hits and you got to put Jesus's name in the song. It was all this big, like, formula. You know, I think that kind of wore on us for all those years. And that's why we kind of just got fed up and couldn't do it anymore. And this time around... To me, I mean, I'm very business minded. We have a couple businesses. So I just said, we're going to, let's just make records there. And if no one likes it, I I don't care. You know, if God doesn't want us to do this, then no one's going to buy it and we're okay. But I just feel like God wants me to do one more record that I have to at least put one more out. This has been our most successful record that we've had sales wise and everything. And it's funny trying to balance that. I think us trying to balance it for a long time of, you know, this is how we make money and this is how we do this uh, now it just kind of fell into that place to where, you know, we don't tour like we used to. We used to tour 250 days a year. You know, we would, we would gross a lot, you know, say a half a million dollars, and we would take home nothing. By the time we paid for crew and fuel and food and everything, we would either lose money or we would break even. And this is the first year of doing music that we actually made money. And it's because we just got smart. I worked really hard for a long time and not smart. And now I'm trying to work really smart and not hard. So, (laughs) you know, it's just one of those life lessons to where I finally got us out of debt and it feels really good. And I think God blesses that. Before I wasn't very mindful of that. And now we've came out and God has brought us out of this huge debt that we were in. And now we're making money and it's pretty awesome. Yeah. And learned, we've learned our lessons too um, from that. God will bless you if you actually learn your lesson. <laughs> you know, <laughs> kind of might wait to bless you with money if you're still going to be stupid with it, you know? So that's kind of one thing we've learned. Not that we're rolling in it or anything, but we're finally at a place where we're okay. I suppose another way of talking about this, maybe to have you describe what success means to the letter black. Yeah, I'll tell you. To me, back in the day, if you would have asked me, to, I'm not successful unless I was Metallica. That's how I used to think, because... Me growing up as a kid, you know, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, and um, there's a film of me saying I want to be a rock star and all this stuff. Like, I just wanted to be James Hetfield from Metallica playing. To 60, <laughs> I mean, you were like, he was like six years old when he said that. Like, it's oh, been yeah. in him forever. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because we know that now, looking back, I know that God planted all of this in me, and this is what He kind of wanted me to do. But um, anyway, so success to me. You know, I used to always measure it, even being saved and being in the industry, because the industry kind of teaches you certain things, like success is this many records, and, you know, this many people should be coming to your shows. And uh, God really kind of took me through some stuff and kind of humbled me. And to me, success is the stories that we get from people who say, this song helped me from not committing suicide. This song helped me when I lost my daughter. This song did this this song did that that to me is success so in my eyes we're already successful i've already won you touched on this a little bit earlier about the new album pain having a more aggressive sound for the letter black was that necessary um i would say it was necessary it was necessary for us (laughs) i would say for me I grew up with a lot of different styles of music. Uh, and me and Sarah are totally different on styles of music we grew up on. So I grew up on like 70s and 80s. I was born in 83, so I grew up really in the 90s. Um, you know, I love Zeppelin, Skinner, all that stuff from the 70s, Pink Floyd. And then going into the 80s with Metallica, Megadeth, Anthrax, 
all that stuff. And then going into the 90s where you have like Nirvana, Corn, Nine Inch Nails. Yeah, and most of the newer... 90s and early 2000s are more my influences. Yeah, so I really wanted to go to my roots and our first record before we got signed with Travis Wyrick and it was called Breaking the Silent Stand. Even though the message was very positive, it was very dark and heavy. Most people don't know that. So when we got signed, they wanted us to sound like Guns N' Roses. So we completely changed our sound. Yeah, sorry, signed a tooth and nail. So when we got signed a tooth and nail, they wanted us to change our sound, our look. Everything had to be like this dirty rock and roll. They wanted it to be a very easy to sell at churches Christian rock band. And I get it because that's, you know, what they do. It's a Christian label and they're selling bands to churches. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I, they but, were taking us out of it. And it's one of those things where, like, I submitted 80 songs for the second record. And you have to realize once you get down to 12 that you're going to record, you've gotten watered down versions of what I actually wrote because it got changed so many times from so many different opinions. That's what I was sick of. So on this record, it was nice to just do what I felt we needed to do. And that being said, too, um, with being on the label prior to, like he said, we were trying to be lighter to appease them. But that was never really us. We always wanted to reach the people that wouldn't go to churches, that wouldn't go to Christian festivals, the people who don't like the same style of music. So we aren't really focused on, you know, the people in the church. We're more focused on the people who would never ever even talk to the nice Christian woman down the road who waters your flowers all the time. You know, we're talking about like people on drugs or I don't know, a stripper. Most Christians would feel very uncomfortable talking to them. Some would probably even feel uncomfortable listening to this conversation, (laughs) but it's the reality. And those people need the love of God more than anyone else. And a lot of them like heavy metal. So here we are. (laughs) And we would always sneak it in. Hanging on by a thread and rebuild, I'd always sneak in a couple metal songs like Wounded and All I Want on the first record. I snuck two in. And then uh, on the second record, I did uh, Devil on Your Back. But I would always sneak them in somehow because that was just us. Like you would always get a peek of who we actually really were. You know what I mean? Not really what the label wanted. So, so was it necessary? Yes. Yes, it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, it was necessary. <laughs> It's great that you brought up about your rock roots. Maybe that's why Payne has the song, Rock's Not Dead. Yeah. And it has lyrics that read, All the fame in the world won't ever make you whole. You're just the latest trend. Climbing up the charts, keep singing to their feet while I speak to their hearts. I mean, that makes it pretty clear what the intentions of the letter black are. But you got to be honest. Doesn't the letter black want to climb the charts? Yeah, you know, but that's really kind of poking fun of pop music that's kind of the whole point of those lyrics right there so that's kind of poking fun of your justin bieber your lady gaga and honestly i don't really worry too much about charts as long as fans are enjoying the music yeah i think it was just kind of our funny little thing that we just kind of threw that in there because if you really listen to those lyrics it says uh you keep speaking to their feet and my whole point was that dance song that you're listening to, that whatever, whoever is the latest and greatest right now, um, that, that fame is so quick because that song doesn't penetrate anybody's heart. But Queen, 
a band yeah. like that. <laughs> Rock is, is forever. It's timeless. And, and the reason why I say that is because you will remember when you stick in that old CD or you put it on your iPod or iPhone or whatever device you listen to music on, you can go back to that time and place, what you were doing, what you were thinking, what you were going through, how you felt, the smell, everything. That's why I love rock music, because it brings you back. Well, let's talk about rock, especially female-fronted hard rock. Those bands are common in mainstream, and I know you don't like the label about Christian, but the Christian music scene has a lack of female-fronted hard rock bands. You know, there's been Flyleaf Icon for Hire and Fireflight. Yeah. So that makes Sarah a rarity. No, and I agree. And here's the deal, too. It's crazy, because when you just named all those... We're the only one left, which is very sad. We took Icon on their very first tour ever. You know, they don't do anything um, on the Christian side. They've completely segregated it, so they only do mainstream. And then you have Flyleaf, who, when Lacey left, that was done. But at least Lacey, she's doing stuff, which is awesome. Yeah, and Flyleaf did get a new singer, but they are done. So, yeah, a lot of them (laughs) were, like, the only ones left. And I love Fireflight. They were great people. It's sad uh, to see all the bands that we used to play with gone. Um, But it's cool to be able to offer the Christian market a band that, you know, if they want to listen to a hard rock chick-fronted band, we're still here. (laughs) And I think that was kind of my thought on this record was I definitely want to be the heaviest female-fronted Christian band ever. Of course, on the mainstream side you have in this moment, you have September Morning. Yeah, there's a ton of them that's really, really good, who does that kind of stuff. Now, I'm not going to say this includes all bands, but many artists writing from a Christian perspective only want to share about the positive side of life. Obviously, you don't seem to be concerned about that. I mean, the (laughs) album is called Pain. Should artists show both sides? I think that people deserve honesty. And if you have had nothing but a fantastic life and that is your inspiration, great. Write about it. If you are like the 99% of the other people who have had stuff happen that's not always, you know, sunshine and sprinkles, then I think that you should use that as a chance to help people out, help them realize they're not alone going through whatever they're going through, that, you know, you've been there and done it and... And it's different for each person, obviously, which is also great because that means that that's even more people that can be reached if people, artists, are honest about their life. A lot of times people are kind of embarrassed or ashamed and tuck their past away so that they don't have to talk about it ever again. But I think that learning from the past is a very valuable lesson in helping other people through it and see that, you know, they're not alone. But I'm not going to condemn you if you only have had sunshine in your life because, you know. We all wish we had, so that's cool, too. Well, you've got a lot of sunshine happening. You've got the new album. You've got a new distribution network. (laughs) You've got new kids. But what's the future going to be for The Letter Black? Uh, Well, right now, honestly, touring. And then uh, we've been talking about, we're going to probably put something on uh, our social media here soon about doing a cover album of all cover songs. Uh, Maybe not a full record, but like five songs or so. All done by Queen? Oh, yeah. All (laughs) done by Queen. (laughs) Yes. And then, uh, yeah, it has to be Freddie Mercury. Um, No. And then um, we were going to do another record. It's going to be released um, late next year or beginning 2019. Yep. We'll take it from there. 
It's been great having the letter black here on The Antidote. Guys, thanks so much for sharing your time. Hey, thank you so much for having us. Yep.